Hello and welcome to the Vorthos Cast. I'm Jay Anelli, and this is the first live listen episode of the Vorthos Podcast. I'm Lorelai Weissel. I'm Brian Dawes. And I'm Ashley Barrow. This is our first live listen episode. This is a new feature we've added to our Patreon tiers. If you head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast, you can see all the different levels you can support the show at. And this new thing lets you hop into our Discord server and listen to us record episodes on Thursday night around 7 p.m., even though it's after 7 p.m. right now. We started a little late. Eastern time. Just a smidge. Just a smidge. So if that's something you have time for and would be interested in doing, we have a tier for that now. It gets you access to our podcast episodes a couple days early, and you get to hear all the background stuff, like all the things we just cut out of the beginning of this episode, and we're only a minute in. So lots of cool, fun stuff. On today's episode, we are going to talk about the flavor gems of Ravnica Allegiance. So this is the second set in the not-quite-third Ravnica block. I don't know why we can't just call Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance a block, though. Because they're not drafted together. Uh, Yeah, I guess that makes sense. It's semantics. It just makes them easier to search if we can group them into a block. But anyway, over preview season, we avoided talking about preview cards that were coming out on a week-to-week basis, and we were saving them all up for this episode. So hopefully you enjoy. The first card we're going to talk about is Bring to Trial. Bring to Trial kind of completes a story cycle from Guilds of Ravnica, where the same artist, Victor Adama Minguez, did a two-parter. I believe one is Citywide Bust, and the other is Collar the Culprit, where this poor, gruel giant who just wanted to smash up the city gets busted by Boros Wojek. In Bring to Trial, we see the same gruel giant bound and being brought in to face judgment by the Azorius. So it's it's kind of cute in a depressing way. It's nice that the art tells this story of this one poor giant, but also this poor giant just looks so miserable. He'd be better off out in the rubble belt. Shouldn't have been breaking the law. First card I want to talk about is friggin' Sharktopus, the fish crab octopus. It's a shark, and a crab, and an octopus, from the Simic. We're getting crazy with the craziest creatures this time around, and it's amazing, and I love it. It's one of four crabs in this set, which is the most crabs a single magic set has ever had in the history of the game. The previous record was two set by Eldritch Moon because of Vexing Scuddler and Drownyard Behemoth, the two Eldrazi crabs. So, record smashed. The Crabpocalypse is upon us. It's going to be great. One of my favorite flavor gems of the set is Final Payment. The name in itself kind of lends itself to what the card flavor text is leading to, but there's nothing quite like the feeling of paying off a large debt. And man... If you've never done that before, it feels really nice, but it's uh, I, I like the flavor text, and it gives uh, a sort of lived-in feeling to the plane that the stories that they've been giving, that we've been reading thus far for the plane, it really adds itself to that, even though in this context, it's a very different um, kind of thing, because 
once your debt is paid off to the Orzov, you're free to, to proceed to the afterlife. So predictably, my first flavor gem card I'm going to talk about is Rakdos the Showstopper. If you listen to our previous episodes, um, I mentioned that Rakdos is quite a recluse. He's kind of lazy, despite his you know big personality. He doesn't do a lot in the story, in both the original and Return to Ravnica blocks. He acted through other people in various ways, so it's funny to see him you know, out in the crowds, in his art, it is mentioned in the art book that like people perform for him. So I said before, it is a mystery to me as of now whether or not that's like we're retroactively saying that he leaves his house now or if something has changed. I also want to point out that it's the same moment as his uh, other art on Rakdos, Lord of Riots. Literally the same moment. He's just like slightly moved his arms. So that's some cool art direction. But anyway, don't. Don't take him at face value. He's lazy. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. I can't wait to see whether or not he actually does anything this block. I just want to mention that Ashley's show notes are the best because under Rakdos the Showstopper, there's a a little tab inward and it just says, he's up. (laughs) The second card I want to talk about today is Deploy. There's another half on Deploy, but I don't care about Depose. Deploy is cool because it's our first really good look at these new Azorius Thopters. And I really like how they blended the Kaladeshi styles with a Azorius aesthetic. The tails of the Thopters, if you look, they've still got the vague paisley design, which is an Indian pattern that's very, very common pretty much everywhere. If you look it up, you'll notice that all the Thopters, or most of the Thopters in Kaladesh were Paisley. These Deploy Thopters are also Paisley, but they're built completely differently. They're not elegant gold filigree. They're like soft brushed silver metal or stone or polished stone with like blue contrails of law magic emanating from them. So they look much more elegant. I don't want to say refined, but they look much more stately maybe might be a good way to put it and i really like the addition of the azorius law magic because on kaladesh they're all powered by the ether and on ravnica they're powered by law magic i bet there's some statue somewhere that gives them permission to fly and that's that kind of magical wings we see emanating from them speaking of cards that are throwback to previous sets There is a loose cycle of cards in Ravnica Allegiance that each reference the guilds from Guilds of Ravnica. So, Angelic Exaltation shows the front of a Boros battlement with an angel above it. Mass Manipulation, the flavor text and art both references the mind control powers of the Demir. Awaken the Erstwhile, of course, shows the Erstwhile zombies that Masarek resurrected and now serve Raska. Electro-Dominance shows an Izzet mage blasting a big lightning that is filled with little lightnings. And Sagittar's Volley has a bunch of Selesnian arrows, you can tell by the guild's insignia on the arrowheads that are flying up and shooting stuff out of the sky. So that's a fun little callback to the last set 
to remind people, hey, by the way, we're still on Ravnica with 10 guilds. Don't forget everybody else. The next card that I want to talk about is Get to the Point. This card, the art, is is hilarious. You have a guy who's clearly gone to Erectus Carnarium or Circus Show or wherever, and he's on a dartboard, I guess, and he's just lying there, and he, all these darts are being thrown, and the flavor text reads, Vraska sees the grandeur in death, but misses the hilarity, Judith. And it's just, like, the visuals of seeing all the knives around this guy who's just yelling, and the name get to the point with all the daggers in that board is just hilarious to me, and I, I, I love it. That's how I feel when I go to college. The next card I'm going to talk about is another very funny Rakdos card that you've probably seen Cult Guild Mage with this awesome Harlequin clown man. But more importantly, he's got a little Jace puppet. Uh, what I really want to know, um, and this is the main lore question I have. Actually, to be honest, it's the only lore question I have and that I will ever have. What is he saying? What is he making Jace say? What's his Jace routine? I want to know. It's just killing me. What, like, what is the joke? And I have to know. So if we learn one thing from the story, it had better be this. What is the joke? I mean, other than Jace. <laughs> the next card we want to talk about is Priest of Forgotten Gods. Priest of Forgotten Gods is very cool in that it references some pretty ancient stuff on Ravnica, which I think everyone always enjoys. Like, we know the guilds, but there are these little secrets hidden in the nooks and crannies that interest people. The art itself is just a cultist. Like, this, this might take place on Innistrad rather than Ravnica. But what's cool, the flavor text says, The Orzhov are not the only religious tradition on Ravnica, nor the oldest. And that's very cool because it's referencing, in part, Sanguine Praetor. Sanguine Praetor is a card from the original Ravnica block that hinted at the same kind of thing and had a similar sacrifice ability. It was an avatar of something. We don't know exactly what. But the flavor text on that card said, Our fealty to guilds dooms us. The old gods shall resurface. Our skin will wave upon the guild masts over emptied streets, and our bones will clatter in the wind, which is pretty darkly ominous. Now, what's interesting about that is the card Sanguine Praetor was pulled into the lore of the Cult of Yore, which is the Nephilim cult mentioned in Wake Up Call and on a couple flavor texts. That was a very roundabout way of saying Priest of Forgotten Gods, those Forgotten Gods, the Nephilim. And the Nephilim seem to be pretty common as old gods, which we'll talk a little bit when we get to the Razebor stuff. But it's neat that they are still referencing these kinds of very, very minor characters, this little corner of Ravnica. I really like that because it expands the world. It adds this mystery vibe. It's just very cool. Speaking of mystery vibes and adding new things to Ravnica... They didn't get rid of the 50s and 40s film noir style cards in this set, even though we don't have the Demir and the Boros anymore. So the card Exposed to Daylight is just 100% shot out of a film noir movie. 
We have the light coming in through the Venetian blind slats, which is a shot we've seen on a couple cards in both this set and the last. But they're turning that light into a spell. So it's literally encapsulating the trope and making it part of the magic of the world. And it gets even deeper because the statue that it is dissolving is very similar to the Maltese Falcon, which is the MacGuffin from the famous film noir movie, The Maltese Falcon, which ends up not mattering. So it's really cool that they got all these film noir tropes and iconography onto a single card. So my next card is Kai's Wrath. The art on this card just screams to unerring accuracy and extreme competency how she was just able to go into the office of that meeting that Tasa started and she ended. Like, I love the flavor text, I love the art, and I love the action shown by this card. It's just like, she's throwing her dagger and killing these things and she's just walking through this room having no issues at all. And, like, the the thing that's in the foreground of the art is a ghost that's clearly fleeing from her because his back is clearly to her, and she's just, she does not give a, a, a raspatootie. I love this art, and it's one of those pieces of art that I wish I could afford to buy, because I've loved a lot of the art in this set, but this is one of the ones that I really liked. It's digital art, so you could probably get it. Oh, I can get a print, that's fine. I also just want to interject here for a moment. As much as we're talking about tropes, and you said Rats Patootie, and it reminded me that we didn't get a rat card from either of these two sets. The previous two Ravnica blocks have had at least one card that dealt something with Rat Tribal, but uh, we didn't get one this time. I guess there wasn't room. That's kind of sad. Yeah, we got, like, I thought we got a rat that made you discard, but I don't, yeah, I don't think we got any kind of Rat Lord or anything like that. The next card I wanted to mention is another Rakdos card, Captive Audience. Uh, this card's got very interesting art. You can look at everybody's face individually, and it's all very cool. But one face that you may not have noticed is Fibblethip right there. He has seen things now that he should not have seen <laughs> with his little eye. Poor Fibblethip. Personally, I'm the guy in about the middle who... No, no I am... The I think there's a woman in the foreground who's looking down like, same shit, different day. <laughs> I hadn't even noticed Fibblethip there until you brought that up. Wow. There are so many good faces and expressions in this artwork. Like, you can really pick out a bunch of them. Like, one of the really good ones is the goblin in the front who's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, get to the good stuff. <laughs> and meanwhile, people behind him are like, oh my god. Yeah. And then there's the Azorius soldier there who's looking down like, huh. He just got killed. And then all the way in the back, there's like a hooded guy who's like, yeah, this is the I stuff. I like the Dalkin who's like, ooh. That does not compute. Or she just contemplating, contemplated switching guilds. So the next card I want to talk about is Spear Spewer. And not because Spear Spewer is a particularly interesting card. It's a common defender who pings people. But it's a goblin warrior and the... Flavor text references one of my favorite characters of all time, Krenko, legitimate businessman. And the quote is, don't waste time aiming, you lazy gobslug. Fire. Gobslug is an insult Krenko has used on previous flavor text. 
So the gobslug reference references back to M13, where Krenko was on fervor, and he says, We won't sit like lazy gobslugs waiting for death to come to us. We'll bring death, shiny and sharp, to our enemies. Krenko, legitimate businessman. Uh, if you can't tell, Krenko's one of my favorite characters, so it's nice to see that he hasn't been completely ignored this time around. I don't think he existed in the first Ravnica set. He wasn't created until like a, a core set, right? So hopefully we see more of him soon. I lost to a Spear Spewer earlier today in Arena. I had stabilized at one and my opponent was at 40 and then they played a Spear Spewer and I swore a lot. <laughs> well, that sucks. <laughs> the next group of cards I wanted to talk about, as long as we're talking about referencing past things, are... Noxious Grudian, Feral Maka, and Sylvan Bushstrider. These three cards are pretty innocuous commons that exist in the set. They're mostly okay or too mediocre in limited. They're not really particularly exciting, other than the fact that they are each the second versions of creatures that are unique to Ravnica. All three are beasts that we've never seen anywhere else yet. But there was a Grudian in the original Ravnica block, part of the Golgari. They're these slimy, drooly, disgusting, fetid things that just crawl through the Undercity. The Maka are the six-eyed, gigantic wildcats that live in the Rubble Belt. There was one in the Return to Ravnica block. And then Brushstriders are these long-legged deer-ish looking things, but they don't have antlers. They're very elegant looking, and there was one also in the Return to Ravnica block, so it's nice when they were making some beasts in the set for them to pull from the unique organisms that have already existed instead of just creating new rando beasts. And while we're talking about groups of cards that seem to go together in some way, shape, or form, Hero Precinct 1, Rally to Battle, and Civic Stalwart all tend to give us a, a, another taste of what it's like for ordinary Ravnikans who are seeing all of the guilds starting to fight amongst each other once again, and their flavor texts all indicate that these are ordinary citizens willing to rally to a cause to defend themselves and their city if the um, guild leaders won't do it themselves. Hero of Precinct 1's flavor text reads, When the established order falters, what remains are ordinary people and their struggle to survive. Obviously, this is indicating that this individual has risen to the occasion because the guilds aren't really doing their part in upholding order. Um, Rally to Battle's flavor text is, The guildmasters loom large in the political sphere, but in the end, the rulers of Ravnica are the people. And then Civic Stalwart is, These are your streets. Defend them. This is your neighborhood. Honor it. This is your city. Save it. So, especially in today's political era, it's a really stark reminder that sometimes citizenry of a city or plane or country needs to rally together and defend their own ideals. All right, and uh, I guess I will also do a group. Another unsurprising pick for me is going to be some flavor text about the raised boar, Ilarg, who we still haven't decided how we're going to pronounce. The first one is Rhythm of the Wild. Read some view Domri's unlikely ascent as a sign of Ilarg, the raised boar's 
imminent return. I will talk about Domri later, but this is one of the flavor texts that references what I've been saying from the beginning was going to happen, the return of the raised boar, boar god, is the party pig. And then um, on Nakia of the Old Ways, her flavor text is, The hooves of the raised boar will trample the weak and their city to dust. So, other than me been, you know, saying this since before there was any justification for saying it, it seems likely that that's going to be really relevant to Bolas showing up. I'm excited, but also scared that something bad's gonna happen. Something bad's gonna happen? Nah, only nice things happen in magic. Yeah, I think something bad might happen. I think something bad's gonna happen on Ravnica. I don't know why. Since you brought up Ilharg, the Razebore, I wanted to mention real quick what's interesting about the old ways and the fact that the Gruul sometimes refer to their gods as the old gods is that the Gruul's gods might be Nephilim themselves, or they might believe their pantheon might be based on the Nephilim in the same way that, like, Ula, Kosi, and Emiria were based on the Eldrazi. That's a neat thing about Ravnica, is a lot of the gods that we don't see right now might have been Nephilim. And I will say that I do like that, and I don't like that. Um, I have, you know, thought since... Ravnica was probably the first plane that I really got invested in the lore, and I've been on board from the beginning with believing that the old gods are the Nephilim. And I do think that like gods having origins and stuff is a cool story trope. But what I what story trope I don't like is like religions being fake. They've done that multiple times in the last few stories. I really don't like that you know the gods are actually evil or actually fake ending. I I actually really hate it. So if they do that, I'm going to be sad. It is a bit of an overused trope in magic. So the next card we want to talk about is Titanic Brawl, which is the kaiju battle free-for-all that we've all been waiting for, or at least Lorelai and I have been waiting for, I don't know about the rest of you, which features a gruel giant facing off against a giant shark crasis. But my favorite part is the flavor text that says, whoever wins... The Neighborhood Loses. This is a riff off of the Alien vs. Predator tagline for the, the movie way back in the day. I guess it's not that much back in the day, but like 2004-ish. Where the tagline was, whoever wins, we lose. So it was just a very cool, very flavorful card, especially because it lets them fight. 2004 was 15 years ago. To put that in perspective. Stop it! Stop it. I guess that does count as back in the day, huh? Absolutely now. We've mentioned Fibblethip a couple times, and we will continue to mention Fibblethip because everyone loves him. He he gets lost because he's little and tiny, so the Azorius who manufactured Fibblethip have also manufactured this card, the Humungulus, which is a, like, six-foot-tall, beefy buff homunculus with an eye the size of a human head. And the flavor text reads, Searching the city for Fibblethip felt like sifting the rain for a single drop of blood. Which is probably a generous analogy because Ravnica's huge and Fibblethip is really, really tiny. But I like the idea that someone cared enough about Fibblethip to make this giant homunculus and send him looking 
out after the tiny little dude who's out there totally lost. It's adorable. So my next card is Rakdos Firewheeler. So the non-promo version of the card has the flavor text, Ever wonder why you never see an old Rakdos cultist? And it, it really struck a chord with me because, you know what, it's something that I never really considered how old some people get, you know, because we hear about Barbarigmos after he lost his challenge to Domri. He's continuing to wander the wilds, he's, but he's it's an old being, whereas the Rakdos... Like, I never really thought about how old some of these people get, and it surprises me that the Rakdos have an even shorter lifespan than the uh, Gruul do. But, you know, after giving it some thought, it, it makes sense, but it's just something I never really considered, and it was really cool. Not to mention the promo art looks amazing. It's just really cool. I'm sure that's going to look really nice in foil. You really never considered that because I was going to add this card to my list and say the opposite and say that's something that I have like thought about in my mind for years. I mean, basically just what the flavor text says that there's no old Rakdos cultist. But if you did run into someone who was old, you would not mess with them because they've seen some stuff. You know, I've always been more focused on the Boros, the, the Naya wedge of Ravnica. So it's not something I've ever really considered, but. It doesn't surprise me once I really think about it, but it's just not something that I ever really considered a whole lot. So just my perspective. It's funny to see an exact word-for-word flavor text of something that has just been a really random, specific, personal headcanon I've always had. I mean, not that, you know, it wasn't... It was non-canon before, but you know what I mean. So um, the next card I want to talk about is another Gruul card, Burn Bright. Now, I did not talk about um, this in the Gruul episode, just for time reasons. But one thing this card mentions, and it is also in the art book that there's um, in their religion, and their folklore, is that um, at the beginning of time, there was a fire that like burned, and it created the rage that like burns in them to this day. So the flavor text for Burn Bright is from a great bonfire at the dawn of time. The first gruel kindled their rage. The same flame burns in you. Krashgar gruel shaman. Now if that becomes important in the story, I will explain it a little better because the art book goes into more detail. Um, I also really like this art. It uh, highlights the cool geometric tattoos they have, which I said in our gruel episode are um, based on the maps of the city or places they've destroyed. I really like this card. So the next card I want to talk about is Verity's Circle, which has a cool history in magic lore because it was something created for the original Ravnica block. I mean, it's I guess it's similar to Zone of Truth. It, it's something that Tessa Karlov used a whole lot and often sneakily using her cane to kind of stumble around somebody. But as she was doing it, she would draw this Verity Circle cast the spell on the sly, and then if the person wasn't careful, they'd suddenly find themselves telling the truth without meaning to. And, you know, that was part of the, the like, the cunning that made Tessa so cool in the original block. I hope we see a little bit of that in future stories. So the Verity Circle existed for that, but back at that time, there was not a whole lot of connection between the cards and the story. And so it's nice to see a story element from way back in the original Ravnica block actually make it onto a card. Because it's a very cool 
world building thing, especially for law mages to have access to a power that makes people tell the truth. The next card I want to talk about is Catacomb Crocodile for two very specific reasons. The first is that as a 5-mana 3-7, it outclasses the 4-mana 2-6 Catacomb Slug, which I am very disappointed about because I love slugs. But the second reason is its fantastic little parable of flavor text. Because it's a vanilla 3-7, it gets to have three full dialogue paragraphs of flavor text across five lines that tell a nice little story. So it starts, I am Sewer King, said Rat. I am quick and cunning, and I know every tunnel. No, I am King, said Zombie. I am cold and deadly, and no rot can harm me. Then Croc came and ate them both. Which is also kind of appropriate because rats tend to be one ones, and zombies tend to be two twos, and Catacomb Crocodile has three power and can handedly kill both creatures in combat. So it's just one of those cards that's just a dumpy little vanilla common, but has awesome name reference to a previous Ravnica card, great art by Niels Ham, awesome flavor text that livens up what is otherwise a card that not many people are going to give a second look at. And I just love when these common cards get to pool this kind of flavor weight in sets and is a kind of thing that as a flavor text writer I am also conscious of because when you have room to write more than like six words you gotta take advantage of it as well as you can it's always a delight to see stuff like this come out in new sets my next card is ethereal absolution the flavor text reads time to let the dead be dead Kaya to Tessa. Now, it's funny because she's watching all these ghosts disappear, but I think we mentioned this before, but there's a good chance that Bolas is bringing an army of undead to take over this plan. I'm wondering how she's going to reflect on how useful those ghosts would have been to fight the army of Eternals if they do indeed appear on Ravnica and start killing everybody. So I, I found that very interesting and ironic. Hmm. But Eternals are on Amonkhet. Hmm. Hmm. See, there, there's this thing called the Planner Gateway. Wait, that is, that is what that's called, right? It's called the Weatherlight? Oh, no, that, that, no. It's there's... Merit Lage. <laughs> that too, but, you know, that's in the sewers right now. Merit Lage can't be bothered with all these zombies and spirits and whatnot. I very much support the speculation that... The Army of Eternals is going to appear on Ravnica and try to take over. That's how Bolus is going to get people and take over and kill all the Planeswalkers. He's going to trap them there with the Immortal Sun and bring all the Eternals to start killing everybody. Posts that make you go, hmm. <laughs> Since I literally can't comment on that. Goblin Gathering is the last card I want to talk about because of course it is. And I really like this card. I think it's a shame that this card is no good for Commander, but it's very good outside of Commander. I like cards like this that give you like incremental bonuses. The more of them you have cast, 
And I also just really love the artwork because Svetlin Velenov really gets goblins. I love all the goblin art he does. And this is such a great little party of goblins. They're like roasting a rat. And if you actually see the full art, like the rat, you can see its skeleton illuminated by the fire. Uh, so that's like, there's a ton of detail in this, you know, very whimsical image. Someone's, uh, one of the goblins is throwing a chair into the fire. And the flavor text is just perfect for this kind of thing. It just says, two's a party, three's a felony. It's true. Once you cast that second goblin gathering, it's starting to get mean. And then you got two more in there where you're going to get four and five goblins, respectively. It's pretty brutal. If I could figure out a way to recur this in Krenko effectively, I would do it. I think if we ever get to the actual kind of Mad Max post-apocalyptic hellscape, we should have Svetlin Velenov and Wayne Reynolds fight in the Thunderdome, but in an art fight to see who can illustrate the best <laughs> goblins. And it would be amazing. Yeah, it's it's real close there. It's real close. I'd put Jesper Edgesing in there, too, because he does good goblins that are very different than what those two do. So my last card to talk about is a sneaky flavor text reference. On another card that is going to go under the radar, Tower Defense. This card is a reprint. It was first printed in Gate Crash, so still on Ravnica. And the flavor text has a quote from Koran Nar, Rubble Belt Hunter. And this character was also quoted on the original printing of Tower Defense. So in Gate Crash, it had the flavor text The Drakes are practice. We may one day need to bring down a Sky Swallower, or maybe even Rakdos himself. And then in the new printing, they're on a more destroyed version of the same tower from the original art. Except instead of fighting a Drake, they're fighting Azorius Sky Knights on Griffins. And they're saying, We've been practicing for this all our lives. This is the final test. And I like that we get the flavor text bridge between the old set and the new set. And we understand that time has gone by through the decay of the tower. But the subtle dissonance that they thought they were going to have to fight, you know, Sky Swallowers or Rakdos, and actually who they have to fight are the Super Cops, because Ravnica is being turned into a police state by Dovin Ban. It's so much storytelling and so much incidental flavor, both at the same time. And to take a card like this and use that space for that role, I think, is really efficient and very clever. That's wild. Absolutely wild. Okay, go. My last card is Biomancer's Familiar. Not because of the art, which is kind of creepy, or any flavor text, because it doesn't have any flavor text, even though I would love for it to have flavor text. My flavor gem part of this is the fact that it's a mutant. It's the only mutant that does ha doesn't have any other creature types. And I want to know what the story behind that is. Like, this thing looks super, super creepy with its three-ish arms, if I'm looking at this art. I think it only has three arms, but I might be missing one because of the angle that this art is on. But it's super interesting, and I want to know more about this, so... Um, but that, that's one of my really interesting little gems. Like, the fact that it has no other creature types, but it's just a mutant, is um, really interesting to me. 
So the last of the cards that I'm going to talk about is, can I get a drum roll, please? Okay. So if y'all remember, I said my very, very first ever magic card was Lavinia from the intro decks from Return to Ravnica, and she's back with Lavinia Azorius Renegade, and she is a renegade now. She is a rebel. She's so cool. You wish that you were cool enough to look through a window with a scarf, look pensive, shadows on the wall, armor on. You wish you were cool enough to stand in a corridor, hood up, looking right, contour on fleek, fleeked, just so, (laughs) so fleeked, so snatched, whatever. Um, Also, this is a return to vanity cards. You may not have known that this is a vanity card for me, specifically um, me. Because what you may not have known is that she's been me all along. Hence the prophecy of me getting her intro deck. Anyway, I'm really excited that she's back. And yes, I'm aware that she looks like me. (laughs) So that about does it for the Ravnica Allegiance proper flavor gems. But we still have the Mythic Edition cards to talk about. Now, the Mythic Edition, for those of you who are somehow not aware, is the super expensive booster box that you can buy that comes with eight special foil planeswalkers with alternate art. The first one had, like, my favorite image of Doretti ever. This new one has one of my other favorite planeswalkers, Stack Faden, which we'll get to in just a second. So, the first card... I want to talk about is Karn, Scion of Urza. Karn's card, I wasn't sure if it was meant to be in front of Talaria or a Ravnica building because they have very similar architecture, but I believe he's standing at Talaria West. If you're looking at the buildings, the roof color is correct, and there's a giant tower behind him that you can just barely see going off into the distance, which I believe is the big tower at Talaria West. You can see it a little bit better in Memorial to Genius, or if that's not Talaria West, which it looks like it because it's got the bridge and the river there, then it might be Talaria West itself. Hamio, the Moon Sage, she is floating in a moonlit Ravnica. Some people have suggested Innistrad, but there's definitely like an Azorius weather vane sitting uh, off to the side there that very clearly delineates it as a Ravnica set art. If you remember, months and months ago, Carrie had found that Planeswalker poster that had a bunch of future art on it. This version was one of those pieces of art, so that checks another one off our list. Soren Markov is just in kind of in front of a purple smoky environment. I'm not sure where he's supposed to be. On Weekly MTG, they mentioned it's before he was stuck in a rock, so it would have been kind of funny if we had a version of Soren Markov that was literally that stuck in the rock art. <laughs> Oh my god, that would have been amazing, and I would have paid untold amounts of dollars for that. How good would that have been? Yeah, yeah. This is Soren after he's out of the rock. Kelly Diggs mentioned that the sword he has is not the sword he had in previous card arts, and Olivia takes his sword in the Eldritch Moon story. So this is apparently Mm. post-rock Soren. If he gets out of the rock, we riot. Well, it's also worth noting that none of these arts are, as far as we know, canon in any way or representative of any actual things. Oh, so this is the universe where he ate Tybalt and pooped him out. 
Okay, so um, Jaya is also here looking super awesome because she is the best person in the whole multiverse and is amazing. And I'm trying really hard not to say that she's super, she's super fleeked. She's so hip and awesome with the kids. Brigatha is in the background. We don't see that plane very often, but that is the plane where she has her monastery, Carol Keep. And that is also where Chandra spent her teenage years and where she studied and learned everything. It's the same door frame from Chandra the Roaring Flame. And that is one of the few times that we've actually like seen the architecture of it. It's very elusive, despite being where Chandra has spent the last few years and where Jaya has spent the last while. It's very cool. And Jaya's artwork on this is very, very cool. Like, I'm very happy with... Everything having to do with Jaya since they brought her back. Obviously, I'm excited. A Johnny Mentor of Heroes is also here. He is standing in front of a door. There doesn't seem to be anything unique about the door. I assume it's meant to be Ravnica. His pose is pretty cool because he looks very much like a religious statue. Because he's got his hand out in a pose and he's holding his double-bladed axe right in front of him. And it's a cool-looking pose for him, despite it taking place just in front of some random door. This Johnny art is also another one from the poster, so check another one off. Yeah, after this Mythic Edition, we are down to just four artworks remaining from that poster that haven't been published anywhere yet. I think it's a different Karn art, a Garrick art, a Jace art, and a Liliana art. Dak Faden is also here, which is super exciting for me. He's the greatest thief in the multiverse and definitely one of my favorite planeswalkers, top three for sure. His art is taking place in front of the high city of Pagliano on Fiora, which is his home plane. It was actually created for his comic and then used later for the conspiracy draft sets. I noticed that some people have been thinking it's Kylum and the, the stadium at Valor's Reach, but that's just because they're like two big Colosseum-looking things in the clouds. This one is very, very clearly Pagliano. And I'm just excited to see Dak back. This artwork is so beautiful, even if it could very easily be used to be that one butterfly meme, because he's got his hand up at just the right pose. I think I saw someone Photoshop it the other day, and I'm going to start using that meme now. Domri Chaosbringer just has a ton of his beasts all around him and behind him. He is very punk rock, and there's not really much else to say about his art. Kaya Orzhov Usurper is Kaya lurking in Orzova, probably right before she kills the Obsidot, because she would have no reason to be lurking if she had already killed them, because she would be Guildmaster by then. And that about does it for the Mythic Edition. Did any of you want to add anything to that? Uh, I would like to add Dovin's new card to it, but apparently there's no room for him, even though he has a card in Ravnica Allegiance. That's disappointing, but I'm glad you brought that up because Dovin's card name is really cool. Grand Arbiter is a reference back to the villain from Dissension, Grand Arbiter Augustine IV. And I really like that they tied his title to one of the earlier villains, kind of like they tied Vraska's title to Savra, Queen of the Golgari. I like little throwbacks like that, and it's just a nice little touch. So, final thoughts. I've got the Dak Fade Nart up right now, and I'm just distracted by his beauty, so Lorelai, you go. 
I know this is the Vorthos cast, and I know I am a Vorthos, and I know I have professionally done lots of Vorthosy things for Magic the Gathering. But, as I mention occasionally, I'm also huge Mel. And if you are on Twitter, you might have seen last week that pro player Ari Lax wrote a very interesting blog post about limited formats and the value and success of building a format where the baseline creature size is a 3-mana 3-2 rather than either a 3-mana 3-3, a 3-mana 2-3, or a 2-mana 2-2. And so he breaks down a lot of the math and strategy that gets involved in attacking and blocking and combat and how you can build other creatures off of those stats. So if you are also interested in more magic design theory, I'm going to link to that blog post for this podcast, and you can go check it out because it's really fascinating stuff. Brian? My final thought is that I am super ready for the pre-release this weekend. I'm really looking forward to it, and the set looks like a lot of fun. Just ready to do all five of my pre-release flights, including that ghastly midnight flight that I'm going to do, even though I'm way too old to be doing that kind of stuff. (laughs) I have a couple like late flights in my future, and I'm like, ugh, I'm not going to get to a hotel till like midnight. That's so late. Y'all are old. Okay, me and my college self, um, I stay up all night regularly and feel fine until probably about brunch time the next day then then i die well yeah about a decade ago we would hang out playing pokemon and watching 80s actions movies till like 4 a.m on a regular basis then that became 2 a.m then it became midnight and now it's like everyone's looking at their watches at 10 o'clock and stretching so am i looking at like my life a decade from now probably (laughs) anyway so this set's got everything right guys it does have everything. Wrong. It oh. have Feather. You're right. You're right. Where's Feather? I know you can't answer that. I can't. Anyway, I also wanted to say that um, I really want to make a commander deck with the new Lavinia. It's been a while since I've built a new deck because I've been playing my Jaya deck forever. Jaya's so good, though. One thing I want to add here is that this week, the week you are listening to this, the Ravnica Allegiance stories begin. So we'll have five weeks of that. And then at the end of those five weeks is something very exciting. It's going to be our first anniversary at the end of February. So we'll have a little something special planned for that. And for those of you who's been sending us listener questions and we haven't gotten to them because we haven't had an episode where we've done listener questions in a while, Don't worry, with the advent of the stories returning, we will start tackling listener questions once more. So feel free to keep adding us. Don't feel discouraged. We've got a a list of six or seven here that we're going to start tackling one after another. If you're listening to this on Monday, that means tonight we're going to be having our second patrons-only D&D session. So if, if you are one of our patrons and you're on the Discord server and you're not already in that, you can um, pop in and just listen if you want. And... Yeah, it's going to be very fun. Yeah, it was a blast. It was my first time ever Dungeon and Dragonzing, and it was a lot of fun. I had 
a lot of exciting things happen. Like uh, we tried to open a sewer grate by tying it to the leg of a giant boar, and that didn't go so well. But um, <laughs> yes, it did. It yeah. actually went great. Well, because somebody came in with a crowbar and just opened it anyway, is ruined all the fun. But it's been a blast, and like Ashley said, you can only get in on that if you are a member of our Discord server. And in order to become a member of our Discord server, you can head over to patreon.com slash thevorthoscast. Everyone who supports the show gets an invite to Discord, and we have a couple other tiers on there as well. We have monthly episodes called Pull from the Deep that cover topics we wouldn't cover in a normal episode. And then the highest tier now is the one with this new live listen thing, which lets you listen to new episodes as we record them on Thursday nights between 7 and 7.30 Eastern Time. You can do that right on Discord, and this is the first episode that has happened for the live listen era, and it's been kind of neat having people chatting about the episode as it happens on our server very privately. Our silent prisoners. <laughs> yes, um, so if you would like to be a silent prisoner too, you can head over to Patreon right now, today, and help support the show. Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.